I'm excited for you to listen in on this powerful interview with Marcus Pittman, my personal trainer. The sound's going to be a little different on this episode because it was done by Zoom. We should have parts one through three, and this is part one. I hope you enjoy. And please listen to the very end because Marcus has a special offer for those of you that really want to get in shape. Hi, I'm Jeannie, the host of Maximum Desire. Have you lost your desire for intimacy and connection? It wasn't that long ago I lost my confidence and desire for intimacy and connection. After high medical bills and no answers, I went on a journey to find solutions. I've been married over 30 years and overcame my challenges through research and a lot of hard work. I created this podcast to help you ignite the desire and passion for intimacy, feel more confident, confident in and out of the bedroom. Now, if this is you, you've come to the right place. Now let's get started. Well, hi, this is Jeannie Morm. I'm with Maximum Desire Podcast and I'm with Craig. He is an attorney and podcaster as well. He uh, has the podcast Uncharted Catholic Men. We have our special guest and I'm really excited. And that's my personal trainer that I talk about all the time on my podcast. And this is an opportunity to actually hear from him personally. Some of you are going to be listening to this recording on my podcast, which is Audible. If you want to see us visually, you can go to Craig's YouTube channel. And so I'll put all this information in the show notes, everything about Marcus and everything about Craig. So you'll have access to all this information. Well, first of all, I'd like to say welcome, Marcus. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to first let the audience know how I met you. This was during the pandemic and I was looking for a personal trainer and I had no idea where I was going to find one. I was actually working out in an outdoor gym with another trainer at that time. And Marcus walks in. I'm like, oh my gosh. I kept thinking to myself, who is this guy? And the trainer I was with said, you're not allowed to talk to him. And so I didn't. What stood out is how Marcus carried himself. He was like 6'5", lean all over. Didn't think about it again and worked out and finished my workout and went home. And then about a year later, I saw him over at a bar right across the street from where I live. And same thing happened. He was at the bar and he stood up and I was across the room. And as soon as he stood up, I thought, oh my gosh, who is this guy? And somebody heard me say that. And they went over to him and asked him to come over. He came over and I eventually went up to him. And now I'm not exaggerating when I tell you this, Marcus can agree to this. And he's shaking his head. But I never experienced this in my life. As I was talking to him, three women came up that were a little loose that had been drinking. No, they were drunk. Drunk. Okay. Drunk. See, he's going to, he'll, he'll add, <laughs> correct me. <laughs> they pushed me out of the way and they kept hanging on him. And I, I went and sat down because I thought I'm, I'm not going to play this game. I'm, that's not my thing. Later, I turned to watch him with these women and it was very unique and different how he handled these women. He was very professional. He kept his hands away from them, but they were all over him. I was absolutely shocked and surprised in how he handled that situation. And my husband saw that. Later, when everybody had left him, I went up again and introduced myself. And my husband came up and said, Marcus, my name is Kurt. I'm Jeannie's husband. Would you be willing to go across the street and talk privately? And where it's not so noisy and it's a little bit more quiet. And he said, sure. And so we went across the street and we must have talked about three or four hours. I was so impressed with this man. I knew that there was something different. And I kept asking him. Finally, after like the third hour, he shared that he played in the NFL and he was trained to be able to handle people that come up to him 
in a professional manner so he wouldn't get in trouble or I'm not sure how to say that Marcus you probably do a better job at that usually in the league we, they do seminars as far as you know because we're high class athletes we're going to get a special type of attention so they put us through like meeting seminars every NFL is going to have some former F FBI agent or some former city DPS someone that was in the law enforcement to go over stuff with us with regards with clubs, women, money, all those things. I've been doing this, I'm 36 now, you know, I stopped playing while I was 30. So, you know, I've been dealing with it most of my life. So, you know, I knew how to handle myself. You certainly did. I was really impressed. So from that night on, we hit it off and he has been my trainer. Actually, I met him two years ago. Welcome, Marcus. Before we get started, before I start asking you questions, can you please mm -hmm. tell the listening audience your background and what you have done? Because you're now a personal trainer, a wellness specialist. So you do a lot. It's not fair just to say you're a personal trainer. So could you mm -hmm. just kind of give us well-rounded view of your past and what you do now? Past is, you know, I grew up in North Carolina, you know, born and raised. Being in the South, I mean, we, health and wellness wasn't relevant there. At the same time, we was old school. You know, you wake up, eat breakfast, take your behind outside, don't come back to the lights on. I mean, that's a good way to stay in shape. And then I started playing football in seventh grade. I don't know, I first time me playing sports, period. So, of course, I sucked got bullied, got picked on. Literally, I got picked on in football all the way till my junior year. And that's got to a point where I was like, I had that growth spurt. I was a junior at 250, 6'3". You know, I pretty much handled everybody that was on the field then. From there, I went to Garden City Community College. Back then, I didn't really have no thought of you know, making an NFL or anything like that. Because, you know, my school, Western Hornet High, Littleton, North Carolina, there's literally one dude that came from our school and played. So the odds of even doing that was not relevant till literally my senior year. And that's when, by the time, but then, you know, I was not that fan of school. I was smart. So I had a little things with school until I figured, you know, maybe this is my ticket out of, out of where I'm at. Because, you know, small town. In the country, you got you no know, between drugs, gangs, rednecks, sometimes KKK. You're talking with North Carolina, they're, they're in the woods, they're there. Wait a minute. No. So before you go any further, mm -hmm. you experience the KKK? We are there in the woods all the time. You can go, then certain areas is like, don't go there. Okay. There are certain roads we'll drive on, and there's certain roads is like, no, don't go down there. Don't try it. Did you ever see any activity that? caused fear at all or i kept my distance in those areas so you see you'll see people in and out stores that you know that they're in that group and you know they're not gonna be sitting there wearing it all out in the public they're gonna be back in the, the area like as far as activities i mean you see aftermath activities as far as why it's happening it's like it'll be safe to say for me to stay away and not you know try to get caught okay i'm sorry keep okay. going that that's something that we don't talk about. We kind of push mm -hmm. it under the rug and really uncomfortable to talk about. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So graduation, I was able to get a little scholarship at a school called Garden City Community College. The only people that would know that school is like real football heads because people think it's just community college, but actually Garden City produced some, some of the best 
players in the junior college. My school to date has, I think, 300-some players in the NFL that made it to the NFL. Pretty big thing, but you know how social life, if you're not in the top D1 school, or then you're irrelevant. And it's safe to say, you know, going through that school, like Garden City, Dodge City, Coffeyville, Independence, uh, Highland, Butler Community College, I've seen players that go from there to Nebraska. Like, I went to Troy University after um, Garden City, and then after that, you know, I had a good few months New Orleans Saints in 2008. You know, I was there, you know, when Drew Brees' first year, Rachel Bush was there, um, Deuce McAllister's last year. I mean, Ron Ron Harper, Jonathan Vilma, I mean, Jeremy Shockey, Colson. I mean, I, I can name a lot of people. Cedric Ellis, um, Will Smith, rest in peace, man. That that man taught me a lot while I was in the NFL. And then from there, I came here to Arizona to play with the Arizona Rattlers, which is a arena football team, which was a high-quality football from early 80s all the way to they went bankrupt in 2008. They came back from 2010 to 2000. 17, 18. I mean, we was on CVS Sports, we was on ESPN. So, I mean, it was a pretty, pretty big deal. The best thing you can get other than being in the NFL. And then from there, I won three championship rings back to back in 12, 13, 14 with the Rattlers. From there, I did one year in LA because I had a surgery called a Jones fracture surgery. And usually a Jones fracture surgery, it's, they say it's more career ending because of where the area of the bone is. To explain it, the five bones in the foot, the, your male tarsals, your fifth male tarsal is the outside of your foot. And there's an area where there's only one blood vessel going through. So if you fracture that area, that fractures that blood vessel. So it takes blood to produce the white blood cells, the fits everything, put the calcium in the area to reform the bone. So when you have no blood flow, it doesn't heal. And I played with a fractured one for one and a half years to find broke through. Thing about sports is sports is sometimes you don't you have a time period of healing and then you got your paycheck. Usually we're getting paid throughout the season, so we need that paycheck. So sometimes we rush our injuries, our healing process to get back on the field. And that's what I did. I fell back pretty bad. So I ended up going to a team in LA. And that's when second to the last game I took a hit. It felt different from any other hit that I felt, it froze me for a good few seconds. And that's when I was like, I'm done playing. Where did you get hit? I was on defense, hit the quarterback, turn around. We call it interception. So usually interception, we turn around. And back in, back before they eliminated hard hits, we usually try to find a person and just straight lay them out. I did that. Usually I'm good. I power through, get up, celebrate. I hit them, I froze. I literally just froze. And that's when I was like, I think my body's done. So, yeah, that year I just got out of the league. And then that year, my grandma passed away. She had um, she had a little form of diabetes. She died from pancreatic cancer. She also had a rare disease, which did pass away through pancreatic cancer. She lasted seven months. She was given four. So... Between that and then my aunt, she passed away too, which she had diabetes too, to the point where her stomach shut down. So that gave me a point to realize what's going on in my life because I was on my three surgeries on my fourth because not only my left foot was broke, the other, my right foot that same year. 
I was pending for surgery. I was always hurt, messing up something, hurting something, pulling something. I was like, what's going on in my life? Then I got my blood checked and I was in diabetic range. And I was like 317 then. I can show you the picture. We can switch over. So the before picture when you were playing in the NFL. Yeah. Before picture when I, before I retired, I was 317 pounds and then I dropped down, I got all the way down to 223. And during the time while I was 223, I also did a bodybuilding show after. It wasn't really the win because if people know about bodybuilding, it's all about the best look. Some things that they do is not how they thought of, but at the same time, there's always side fits, some things they do. So I didn't want to go that route. So I did more natural way. I got down to the best I can be because usually bodybuilding me being 6'5 is a disadvantage because I'm tall. My muscles are stringy, lengthy, not thick and robust like shorter people are. They're going to look a lot wider than I do. And I have to gain 60, almost 80 pounds more than someone that's like 5'10 or someone that's six foot to look as wide as them. And that's not what I wanted to do. I just wanted to get got down to like 4% body fat. And my understanding, you came in second place. Is that correct? Yes, my last show, I, I came in second place. I actually did a total of four shows. And yeah, that's my fourth one because I told each other, like my coach, that in order to get an NPC card to get to that level, then I have to start doing stuff that I don't want to do. It was probably better that I stop where I was at and move on. During that process, I was also though doing my personal training. Uh, here's a picture. Then I was... 317. The middle picture is my last show that I had done. I was 223. The last picture was two years later. I gained some more weight, kept the body, kept the discipline, and became thicker while killing myself trying to cut down and look like I'm 4% body fat, 8 pack. Wow. What's your per, um, body fat percentage now? Right now, I keep it no lower than nine. I keep it between 10 to 10 to 12. I usually keep it around that range because it still gives me that lean look, but I also have that extra fat to use with energy for athletic movement because the lower your body fat is, the less energy you have for those type of activities. And you can easily like pull a muscle because you just don't have that kinetic energy to perform. Well, that middle picture of you, you're down mm -hmm. to... 5% body fat. And then in order to compete further, you said, you would have to do things that you didn't feel comfortable doing. Correct? That yeah, for, for that, yeah, that was said, I was 223 in that picture. For me to compete to far, possibly get an NPC car, I have to be at least 260. And we're talking about not like 260 muscle with less than 5% body fat. So I had to be in that three to 2% range to see the fullness of all the muscle, what it takes to get down that low is, it's pretty grueling. If you want to know the best, the hardest way to be disciplined, do a show. It'll, it'll show you what discipline is. You know, with me and my football background, plus this, it gave me that extra edge of discipline. Well, you look great, I have to say there, and you still look great. You're doing something right. That's a big difference from when you played football to when you were training for that show. Yeah, because if a lot of people see, like I see a big lineman, at the same time, people didn't know that that person on the left 
was eating Chinese food almost every other day. That person on the left was eating a pack of Oreos. We're not talking about a roll. We're not talking about talking about the double stuff bit pack of Oreos. Or I'll eat about four or five king size Reese's or Twits chocolate peanut butter. I was that person. Tell me too, you had said one time you went out to dinner, right? With your other mm -hmm. players. And it was yep. easy for you guys to drop how much money, what you ate and the money you spent eating. Oh, you're talking, you know, back in the NFL days. Yeah, it was. But at the same time, you got to recognize like the places that they usually went. But at the same time, we went to a PF change and, and we dropped easy 10 grand in there. We're talking about food between all the groups. Most of them, they're drinking wine. Usually they have, you know, beef dinner with wine. And usually they get like most expensive wine in there. And there's certain PF chains in certain cities that serve that high class quality um, food and wine. They'll stack up. For $10,000, how many players are we talking? How many are at that table? Oh my gosh. About 10, about 10, 12. Usually when we go out, we kind of stay with our position group. So, you know, all the D-line go out. Sometimes, you know, it's just D-line. Sometimes it's defense. It, we went as just a defensive group. There was like, you no know, 10 here, a couple here, a couple here. Well, that's like $1,000 per person. I thought $100 when I go out to dinner was a lot of money. The cheapest because I didn't drink. Uh, <laughs> all I did was got a couple appetizers and my entree. My gosh. You know, man, I you know I'm, I'm still trying to keep my foot in because I'm not trying to you know spend all that money. People buying the Range Rover Sport, dude, you're like 350 trying to fit in the Range Rover Sport. That's small. Why? Get you like a GMC. You'd be good. Just get your Audi. You'd be good. Well, you're so tall. People that are listening to this podcast, mm -hmm. if you were to see Marcus right now, he's like 6'5", and I watched him get into a sports car, and it it didn't look pretty, and I think he got stuck or something. <laughs> it looked like you got stuck. Yeah, it was a Lamborghini Mucholago, and um, <laughs> I was literally like, hands here, knees here. <laughs> so Marcus, when I, I don't want to jump away from the NFL experience because I know you don't talk about it very much, but I'd like to talk about it just a little bit because I know on my podcast, I do have men that listen and mm -hmm. I do know that men are going to listen to Craig's as well. Can you talk about what it took to play in the NFL? And I, what I mean by that is your mindset, because what is it? 0.000% of men or women become elite athletes and you are an elite athlete. And yep. if you be in the gym with you, you would see that anybody would knows that. What did it take for you? Because you, as you were describing, it wasn't until you were in high school, like a senior, when you started making that transition, like maybe I should think about this seriously in order to compete at that level. Can you describe the mindset it takes to compete at that level? Mindset. It's kind of hard to explain because if you haven't done it, then you won't fully understand. Because like people see you know, on TV, what, what they see is people running around, running around making moves. What they don't see is the preparation for the training just to be strong and fast enough to perform. The mindset to remember 300 page playbook with all the chats formations we're talking about you got one formation we got 80 pages of checks and formations of what we need to do literally a job and we're not talking about nine to five we're talking about lifetime it's like what you eat affects your job what you do outside of football affects your job 
what you, what you do while you're there affects your job. Regardless of if you're home, you went to go out, you know, hang out somewhere, you go to the grocery store, or you're in the football building, what you're doing greatly affects you from either playing or going to that, you know, playing your locker out. Just to watch somebody else's name slide right back to the locker you used to have. So what motivated you? So you see all these other people that are living their life. They're working eight to five. They're buying the house and, and having kids. What motivated you to keep pressing harder and harder to play at the NFL level? What pushed you? Well, I mean, if we go back to high school, there's a thing that people don't know. I mean, just, I don't think I even told my mom this. Back when I graduated, there was a group that was in our neighborhood, and they were, you know, part of the local gang. Like, I don't want to say names. I have friends that was around that. They, you know, invited me there. He was like, you know, usually the person that's selling candy, selling all the stuff that's around the place is most likely the dope dealer. He or she is the person that runs that area. And they use like sell, you know, give stuff out to kids and everything as cover ups. So people don't sit there and be vicious. Usually you find out they wanted me initially to their gang and they had everything ready. The time that they were supposed to get me initiated is when I got the offer to Garden City Community College. So it was either like I don't know what to do, I don't want to go that route. You know, I know what can come out in that route, but at the same time. I'm going to be spending two years out in the middle of Kansas, middle of nowhere, with n nothing but you no know, flat land and fields. But it gives me a second chance. Eventually, I took football route. I took the scholarship. I moved out to Kansas. I found out two weeks after I moved, they was looking for me, and the person that was running everything, he ended up dying two weeks later. He had a... Um, Road rage isn't it? Got shot in the road. Life could be a lot different if I stayed home. There's also athletes that are so good, but then they get some homesick that they literally just go back home and just quit football. Me, it was like, I don't want to go back home a failure. I, in high school, there was only three of us that got scholarships. Person, they said I was supposed to be the one, the first one to come home. And the one that actually got the high scholarship, you know, my grade won't was there, but they weren't quite there at that time. So Auburn gave him the scholarship. So he ended up going to Auburn. I ended up, you know, getting a good time around NFL. The person that they highly praised only lasted a semester in Auburn. He transferred to another college and that was the last thing I heard from him. Wow. Marcus, that's really that's really a powerful story. Before we move on, something that one message that you can tell the listening audience when they feel discouraged and they feel like there's no hope, can you give them hope? Because we have a lot of people that are depressed and yep. feel hope. So can you give them hope before we move on to our next topic? I mean, there's hope and then there's mindset change. There's always going to be things that will upset you. There are always going to be things that can get you to that depressed moment. Your life depends on what you do, how you act, and what you think. There's always going to be thoughts of depression. There's always going to be stuff that can bring depression on. Issue that needs to be addressed is 
how you focus on what thoughts that would not make you depressed, not make you sad. It's still your control. You can't control the thoughts that go in your head, but you can focus on what thoughts to focus on. And that's what you did. Yep. Yep. You know, know, depression works with your dopamine levels to make you depressed, make you sad. It messes with your emotions. So you always got that mindset. You always got the power of like, no, I'm not going to go that route. This is what I need to focus on. This is the problem. I need to find a solution. People don't realize like your life is always in the operation of chaos. You always got something that's going on at home. You got gas lines, you got power. Something can happen, something, something can happen there. Something can happen while you drive. Something can happen while you're going to work. Something can happen when you just sit now. Your life is always in chaos. It's learning to be disciplined enough to operate in that chaos is how you control your emotions and feelings. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. I can't imagine being in that situation where you choose the NFL or gang life. That's that's really powerful. That's a message that our young people should listen to. Before we move on to the next topic, I just want to let the listening audience know that in the show notes, I'm going to post the YouTube video, also Marcus's contact information, Instagram, Facebook. So if you have any questions, you can reach out to him directly. So thank you, Marcus. Oh, you're welcome. I sure hope you enjoyed this episode with Marcus Pittman. Before you leave tonight, I want to share something with you. It's very difficult to find Marcus. He doesn't advertise. He doesn't market. So I asked him if he could do me a favor, and that is to offer something very special for those of you that are listening. He does an hour phone call from anywhere in the world, and it's $300. But he's willing to do it half price for any of you that are listening anywhere in the world for half off. And what he'll do is he'll speak to you for an hour. And in that hour, he'll create a meal plan and a workout plan just for you. If you want an hour coaching call with Marcus, reach out to him by email, Instagram, or Facebook. But it's really important that you say you heard him on this podcast, the Maximum Desire podcast. Please mention that because if you do, he'll give you 50% off, which will be $150 for that hour. And you'll get meal plan and exercises customized just for you. Don't miss this opportunity because he doesn't give discounts or even price breaks. He does not give me a discount. I only promote people that I can recommend and I use myself. So don't miss that opportunity and don't miss the rest of the episodes this week. Have a great night. Bye now.